Hi everyone, and welcome to the first podcast from OpenLab. We are an interaction design and human-computer interaction design lab based in the School of Computing at Newcastle University. As an HCI lab, we've been attending CHI for a number of years, and we decided to sit down with a few for PhD students and early career researchers who present in at CHI to talk about their work, what they're looking forward to, and if they have any tips for CHI newcomers. Hi, I'm Emily Barker. I'm the Communications Officer for OpenLab, uh, and I'm here with Lenia Margariti, uh, Carol Clace, and Peter Glick, uh, who are all presenting at CHI this year. Hello. Hi there. Um, so first, I was just like, would you first like to give a bit of an intro about yourself and a short teaser on the work that you're presenting at CHI this year? Yeah, so hi everyone, I'm Carol Clace. I'm an Innovation Fellow here at OpenLab. Yeah, so this year at CHI, I'm presenting a paper about um, online practice uh, of spirituality. Um, and this is very much a personal, well, started as a personal project. Um, and I've conducted interviews with members of um, a Buddhist community to understand how they've adapted to the COVID-19 pandemic to continue, you know, practicing together online remotely. Uh, and that included also an, um, my personal experience as a member of the community myself. Yeah. So. Oh, I didn't know. Sounds mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. It does sound really cool. Yeah. Can't compete with that. (laughs) (laughs) My name's Peter Glick. I'm a final year PhD student here at the Open Lab. So we're going to Kai this year with a paper which is all around building a wiki. Uh, It was actually co-designed by my participants. I just stood back, uh, facilitated the design space for them and let them fly. And it's gone really, really well. Great. So hello as well from me. I'm Lenia Margariti. I'm also a PhD student in OpenLab. Also, I say final year. (laughs) Let's see. (laughs) I had a lot of interruptions. Um, The last one was uh, basically my maternity leave. And this paper was also another little baby (laughs) because it was written while I was on maternity leave. Um, My my paper in Kai is about the experiences of uh, the occupants of a smart office building. In particular, the building we are inhabiting here, like a urban sciences building. And yeah, it's, it's results from four different exploratory studies I did. And basically summarizes yeah how people understand, perceive, view, and feel about data collection and data use in this smart office building. And what can we do to improve it, to make it more human-centered? Thank you very much. Um, so I think my first question uh, is basically, uh, why Kai? Sorry, I just really enjoyed the rhyme. But uh, what is it about Kai? Uh, why do so many people go? Um, particularly for like PhD students and ECRs, kind of what, what do people get out of it? Uh, well, I think for us, it's important. It's, human, it's the biggest human computer interaction conference venue. It's not that I, I think for other computer science students might be that might not be that much relevant, but for us, yeah, it's a prime venue, I think, for human-computer interaction. It's really big. I found it really interesting. It has so many different subject areas, disciplines, viewpoints. I think it's a really multicultural, multidisciplinary journey. Yeah, and I think whenever you hear it being talked about at the lab, it's always the conference. They talk about Kai conference, this Kai, that Kai. They never, they very rarely talk about any other form of conference. And it's kind of, I think there's like almost like a mark of respect or a mark of approval if you're going to Kai. If nothing else, that's where you'll meet all the people you want to meet. Yes. 
Yes, uh, for sure. Uh, also, for early career researcher or students, uh, it's also very exciting venue, I think, because I mean, I've experienced Sky like in person for the first time last year, and I really enjoyed the kind of networking and just meeting people. And it's quite, I'd say it's quite a small world. So, you know, seeing people you haven't seen for a while and connecting, it's quite, it felt quite easy actually to also connect with some of the you know, people I'm really inspired with and by the work they do. So, um, yeah, networking and potential setting potential collaboration and yeah, just feeling inspired by the breadth of work. So you just mentioned like the first time that you went. Um, I'm not sure about the first time that either of you two went. Like, what were those kind of like memorable experiences from that first time of going to this conference? Ooh, trying to So my first one was 2019 in Glasgow. So the travel wasn't much of an issue. Um, but I think it was actually the first time I'd been to Glasgow. So it's always, I think, you're going to a new place that you've never been to before. So that's always fun anyway. But I think it was just there were so many people there. And I hadn't expected that and just such a breadth of person there. It was just, it was really sort of invigorating. Yeah, my, my first time was also last year. It was in Louisiana. It was very nice, very interesting, a massive venue. Yeah, really a lot of people. Um, it was very impressive. Last year I had a, a poster, so a late breaking work, which was a very different presentation style, very different feel like you, you, you were able to chat one-on-one uh, -on -one to people like really, yeah, networking was really nice, was much more chilled. Um, whereas yeah, this year is more like um, a proper paper presentation. So it's different. And last year I also participated in a workshop and I thought that was also very interesting for connecting with people. Yeah. So you're all doing paper presentations yes. this year. How are we yeah. feeling about that? Um, better than last year. Last year was my first presentation. I think the first time of anything, you know, the nerves rack up. And at the moment, I'm feeling cool about it. But don't ask me that 15 minutes beforehand. <laughs> yeah, I feel what helps with this year and last year is also uh, the format. So you, you do your video presentation ahead of the conference which is actually quite nice in a way, because I feel, I mean, yeah, I'm, I've got my presentation sorted well in advance. So um, yeah, I feel maybe confident now, but again, yeah, like you, Kira, like don't ask me 10 minutes before the presentation because everything goes blank. And yes. Yeah, but yeah, I hope, I hope we could have more time for discussion. So I feel that's what was missing for me last year. It's sitting there and just um, watching talk sometime, just being played out from, you know, um, because people couldn't be there in person. And I just wish there could be more conversation between the people in the same track, uh, paper, yeah, track uh, paper track, or uh, with the audience. But I am aware also of the amount of, um, you know, paper to go through and yeah that's fair enough but we don't have too much time but yeah so but it's almost as though and that's a good point because i think that was the thing about presenting a poster you just stood in front of it yeah. and you can chat to people yeah and it'd be lovely so to do that nice. with a paper as well where you can maybe have your 10 minutes yeah and then you just stand there and hopefully people just come up to you during the day and just chat about it and you yeah. i miss that that'd yes. be good mm -hmm. yeah well i'm actually <laughs> Uh, well, lucky, I'm not sure if I'm lucky, but this year I'm presenting remotely, which, yeah, it's year is different, but this year it means only pre-recorded presentation. So I, w I won't go through this stress. Otherwise I would be very, very stressed. 
but uh, yeah, I mean, I think post-COVID is, is still like hybrid conferencing is still like a constantly evolving thing. So yeah, I, I don't know. It has a lot of challenges, I guess, trying to set up a hybrid venue of that size. And yeah, so last year was, yeah, as Cara said, was a bit mixed. I mean, there were face-to-face, -face, like physical, remote and virtual presentations. And yeah, I also missed the discussion bits and this year will be different so i don't know really um yeah mm. <laughs> um so in terms of like i've just asked about how you feel about the presentations but what is the kind of work that you're presenting so i gave you a little teaser earlier um but what is it that you want people to know about the work that you're going to present before kai i think well last year so i'm working with a group of people that are profoundly disabled, some of them so disabled that I actually can only talk to their unpaid carers. And last year, I think in a way for me, it was more interesting because the paper is all about their lives and their experiences. Whereas this year, it's more on the, the methods and the technology that we've used. But I think there's so many things when you look at a paper, I mean, it's only, I don't know, 10, 12 pages long, something like that. Trying to give a 10 minute talk on something that's been such a part of your life is really difficult because you have to end up stripping almost everything out and just talking about almost one thing. So this year, I'm just really talking about the method, how if you're a person that's disabled or you're looking after someone that's profoundly disabled, you don't have time to breathe. You really don't. So how can you engage these people in research? Well, for a start, and I've tried it, you don't say, oh, come along to the open lab at two o'clock for a two hour meeting or a focus group because they'll reject it at the last minute because something's happened or they'll get called away or it's a huge logistical exercise just to get themselves somewhere so you then go okay let's do it over zoom um but then if you're running something like that for an hour or two it's the same problem they don't turn up because something happens so we ran it asynchronously so we had like a 14-day focus group and it's just people texting um, no video and they found and talking about them afterwards they said it was so good not to have zoom because it takes all the pressure out of it and also if you're reading everyone's messages uh, you got really got time to consider so you can read through everything during the day and type something at night so that was really enjoyable but we took it further that's great for like collecting people's opinions and how they live their lives but I wanted to take it further and actually can we build something with this so then it was back to my part. How do you get people to co-design technology when they're not technologists, they're not designers, and they're not even in the same room as you? And you can use different things that's out there, different ways of working with them. But I think the advantage I had was they're so passionate about the subject, which is themselves and how they deal with their own lives and how they can make it easier for other people in their same situation to deal with their lives. That because they had that passion, it was kind of easy. So they're always putting their hands up to do things. It was never a question of, oh, no, I can't be bothered. They always turned up. So it was just really, really heartening to work like that. So basically, the other thing about it was that it's quite easy to build something and push it out there in the world. But then your research funding ends. You go off to a different project. What happens to that thing? So you've got to make it sustainable. You've got to think about that right from the very beginning. And that was highly interesting as well, ways and means of doing that. 
Mm-hmm. Thank you, Peter. Mm-hmm. What about everyone else? What are the kind of things that you want people to know about the work? Um, I guess for me, it's actually the first time through the paper I share something quite personal or intimate in a way because it's connected to um, my kind of spiritual practice and um, yeah, it's kind of opening up about something. And so actually, when you ask about how you're feeling about the presentation, I just hope that the paper or whatever, you know, like uh, is in there uh, will be well received. And um, yeah, because it's very personally connected to to me. Um, It's basically um, about um, so in kind of in the space of kind of practice of um, spiritual practice of faith practice uh, is um, a lot of the tools that exist are well, not really designed specifically for um, community practice of faith or spirituality. And so in the paper, I unpack this a little bit uh, to show um, some of the limitations of existing tools. So, for example, in the case of my community, we've used Zoom or WhatsApp during the pandemic. And what we do usually, um, we practice together. And what I mean by practicing together, it's um, meeting at each other's home and we chant together, um, which is really powerful. Uh, We also have discussion meetings. uh, So there is uh, the community aspect is very important uh, and plays a very important role in in the kind of spiritual practice. Um, But during the pandemic, we've adapted existing tools uh, like Zoom, and that really was very interesting for me because um yeah i just started talking about the limitation of it with other members and actually it was also coming from the community we ha- we had those discussion around uh, how that really changed some of our practice the dynamics of it and also some concerns around trust and security you know when you use those um off the shelves tools that are not designed with you know some of our values uh, as buddhists for example so when i looked at the literature i saw that there was there was some research of course on, on kind of spirituality and, and design um but yeah I, I just tried to um unpack this a little bit more and thinking about if we had to design tools that were were best Talk to practitioners of, of those communities. What would they look like? What would they, you know, um, and um, you know, looking um, or drawing on discourses from design or interaction design around soma design to consider the body, uh, or um, you know, looking at yeah other discourses like tangible and inter- um, and embodied uh, interaction to think beyond the screen and and understand what else could be designed to kind of encourage those kind of uh, connections remotely because it's not only during the pandemic but now we keep using those tools and it's become it's become like really embedded in our practice as well as meeting in person we have a hybrid sessions and all those things now so yeah it's still very relevant so um yeah i'm unpacking this in the in the um, in the paper and i hope the next step would be to do some design work um yeah sure it's interesting that you both have sort of talked about like the the this kind of technology but how it's not always like fit for purpose in in the way that you might use it and these kind of different ways that it can be used as well and i think that's it i think we you know in the open urban sciences building school of computing but not everyone's interested in technology they can see sometimes the benefits but trying to get it that works to work for them is hard. It's very, very hard. Yeah. What about you, Lenia? What What do you want people to know about your work? Okay. <laughs> so yeah, my work. Um, well, 
I'm generally focused around, like, I'm focusing on buildings data, and particularly office buildings in the workplace, and how it has evolved before the pandemic, after the pandemic, like throughout the pandemic. And but what I'm interested in is also like the the whole like data collection that they use in this context, right? So, so this this work I did was actually. It was interesting because it was it started in the building and then it all shifted remotely because of COVID, and I kept on um, trying to do different types of activities to unpack basically the experiences of people working in the building, but also yeah, their experiences of you know speculating around smart buildings in the future, and I had to to really think of how do I make this work remotely and how do I make them, you know, feel that they're still in the same space. They still have, you know, the special context <laughs> in their brains. And I had to be yeah, quite, I guess, innovative in the way I would go about it. Um, of course, it's exploratory. And basically, yeah, the, the paper discusses that, discusses findings around that. And I have different types of um yeah findings and the core the the core message is obviously like perceive the perception of privacy in that environment is, is very very complex like there are different aspects there aspects of scale of, of data collection like um yeah that's that's one side of things then there's generally this big thing around data awareness which is lacking like people don't understand what data is really if it's personal a lot if how how it's used and how this can benefit them so there is a big argument around physicality of data physicalizing data making people more aware of it in in more tangible and physical ways in the buildings around them and can be either the office building or domestic workplace actually so yeah um and yeah i have different aspects around health and well-being and data use in the buildings as well and a, a few a few things around collective value of data use for the long term and you can see more more in our, in my paper around that but yeah that's generally the the overall agenda um i'm working on <laughs> yes, that's great um so if you can like cast your minds back to submitting what was that like for you Whoa. like to actually do the submission process <laughs> <laughs> Um, for me, this year was, it was interesting, actually. I mean, obviously, I was, uh, I submitted just before I go, <laughs> I go into labor. <laughs> wow. And then, <laughs> and then, yeah, I had, uh, because of, again, the, the change in the format of the conference, I had quite a long period to rework on the, um, on the reviewer's comments, which was good. I was really lucky with my newborn because he was very peaceful and I could I could work on it. So it took me a while, but yeah, eventually I thought I was benefited from the new formatting of the conference and allowing a more journal-like revision style. So it give you more time to to respond rather than a you know like a a, a short rebuttal. You had a proper time to actually uh, think through. Uh, the comments so yeah that worked for me and I thought generally it was a peaceful a peaceful submission um even with a newborn even with a newborn yeah I didn't mind it I did mind like some last minute <laughs> issues with the copyrights towards the end that wasn't really the the conference issue but rather uh, a bit a bit complicated administrative things between um 
between the university and basically ACM digital library, I think, a licensing thing. That was the most stressful bit. <laughs> funny, funny, but but true. <laughs> I think you have the best story with the <laughs> <laughs> I mean, into the lab and we were looking at everyone like, who submitted and saying like, she just went to labor but managed to submit. It's such a cool story. <laughs> it's pretty cool. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean, my submission was also quite when I, I didn't have babies very well. It was very peaceful as well. I thought um, I started quite early on working on the paper. So I think there was, um, yeah, quite a smooth journey and I had support um, from the co-author. Uh, yeah, so I think it was very smooth. Um, and the rebuttal again was, um, yeah, I, um, I had really good reviewers in the sense that they were they gave me really constructive feedback and they were very generous at um giving me a lot of literature for example so that really gave me the time to turn back to some reading and you know uh, reflecting a bit more on everything so yeah i'm great and grateful for the time that we had this year yeah, it worked well for me too mm, that helped i think there's almost i think if you've never done it before i think you just focus on the paper well, I've got to write that, I've got to write that paper. And for me, that's hard enough. You kind of hear this myth that some people think, I'm going to write a Kai paper this week. Whereas for me, it was like months of like hard work and I don't know how many revisions with my co-author. But you can't think, oh, that's there, it's done. And you submit it. But then that's when another form of hard work starts. So you submit it and it goes away and then it comes back from review and you get, you know, a couple of pages of comments. But that can mean... You know, there's a lot of work to get those comments understood and to rewrite the paper that's really answers their questions mm. and their doubts about it. And then that goes away and you think, oh, it's done. <laughs> and then there's a whole mess of bureaucracy that kicks in. If you're lucky enough to get accepted, then your world starts to fall apart because the information of how to follow the process seems to be spread over multiple websites, multiple pages of those websites. Yeah. And you never know whether you've understood everything you need to do or whether you're just missing something. And I think they're really trying hard. You can see from the website, I think they're really trying hard. And, you know, but um, yeah, and if you're not lucky in working in words, it's even worse, I think, than latex. Now, like, I mean, uh, yeah, it's a nightmare. It always tells me my formatting is wrong. And but yeah. just, yeah, I don't know what happens. And then if you exchange your document with others for feedback it even goes even more, more wrong <laughs> no yeah it's a bit stressful i think that's one big thing because you kind of have a choice you can either use word which everyone knows and it's really easy for reviewers to put their comments in and you respond to their comments but then when you actually submit it i've never done it in word i think that's when hell yeah. starts mm -hmm. yeah the other way is why i've already used use latex and overleaf yeah. where it's really difficult to write because you're writing like just career text all the time yeah. and it's almost impossible to get comments reviewers comments and to respond to them so you're working in that and word at the same time but when you submit your overleaf submission then it's kind of easy there's no work to be done yes i actually started in word first submission <laughs> the first deadline submitted in word and when they came back to me i had the time to put everything in latex <laughs> And there is submit in latex because I was like, I'm not like if it gets accepted and I have to pass through the tabs thing, I'm not doing it in Word. Okay, oh, yeah, I had a painful experience in the past <laughs> with another paper. So yeah, 
I'm actually, yeah, I think the workaround has to be carefully considered and it's, it's time consuming. I feel like indeed, like you have so much, so many extra things to do for the conference, like, yeah, the, the, the submission of different file formats to enable the system to read your file properly, or then preparing the video presentation, making sure everything is like, you have so much extra workload. And I feel like, yeah, it needs, I don't know, I, I always think like, oh, you know, the, the hardest part is to write the paper, but I think sometimes it's extra amount of workload after you submit it and it gets accepted just to, to get it, to make it to the venue. Yeah. It's That's like that you, you think you've climbed to the top of the mountain, but then you look. That's and right. A, yeah. Uh, and as you said, okay, the paper's accepted. You've done it. It's posted away. That's it. Oh, now I've got to do a, it's a 30 second video and then a 10 minute video. Yeah. And then you've got to write some metadata around that. And yeah. it just goes on and on. Yeah. But I feel like this is kind of useful thing to talk about for people that are considering submitting, because I think sometimes they're the bits that can be a bit hidden almost you know and it's yeah. like it's worth kind of knowing that stuff as well and i think particularly with the videos i think a tip would be if anyone asks you to be recorded on camera to do something just say yes because the amount of reuse i've been able to make of things that have happened in the past made it this time a lot easier to do the videos and it was me just editing something that was already there thanks for listening to this episode of open blab an hci and interaction design podcast from newcastle university we hope you're enjoying the insights from our three guests today about submitting to CHI 2023. If you're finding this episode helpful, we'd really appreciate it if you could take a moment to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening from. Your feedback will help us improve and reach more people interested in this field. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at openlab underscore ncl for updates on future episodes and other content related to human-computer interaction and design. Thanks again for listening, and on with the show. Um, so we talked a little bit about the challenges there, but in terms of kind of going into the conference, um, do you have any sort of like big fears or worries or anything? Well, I'm not physically going, <laughs> which is a bit, yeah, a bit sad for me, but in the same time, yeah, I can't, I can't take my, my seven months old there. I find it's a bit too challenging. Um, last year was physical there. I thought it was a great experience. Um, I don't know, I guess, yeah, if I was physically presenting, I would be stressed, that's for sure. But yeah, I don't know, apart from that, I think it's it's a great venue and a great, great place to go. I don't know. <laughs> I think for me, the I think learning from the first one I went to in Glasgow was don't try and see every paper at the conference mm -hmm. and don't try to be always in a room listening to someone presenting because you can't do it. You just, you do that for a day or two and you're burnt out. So, yeah, take time off. It might seem as though you're cheating on the university or something, but you need to do that yeah. just to take a breath. Yeah, and there are other formats of, you know, some of the session, but not uh, paper session. And I found them really interesting last year. I can't remember exactly the name, but some of them that are more discursive or, mm. um, I mean, the workshop for sure were, were, was great. Um, but uh, yeah, during the conference, you have other type of session and maybe not going or aiming for the paper. You know, there is also the extended abstract, all those or late breaking work. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think those work also deserve uh, a good, uh, a good look, a good listen. So. Yeah. And I think as you both said, you know, it's networking can be difficult, you know, walking into a place like that and just walking up to someone. But as you both said, the workshop is brilliant because you're sat yes. around the table 
and you're introducing and you're working with other people for yeah. a good couple of hours yeah. and that's a really really neat and easy way to network yeah 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 for me that's like that's what i loved last year was the workshop and uh, my poster because yeah i had this this networking made easy for me otherwise yeah i find it very challenging like to yeah you have to to be really i guess assertive while you you were in a room with paper presentation to to make this yeah step i don't know i think but the thing yeah it can it can be done i guess <laughs> i don't know um yeah what else i don't know um, but this year we're going as a little bigger crew so i think also <laughs> it might be easier for um you know people to be introduced you know within the group and mm -hmm. to others so mm -hmm. yeah but also maybe don't hesitate to email in advance to plan some you know to ask people to meet you know if there are like a sometimes like i remember you know i don't know if it's even a professor or like maybe you get in touch with some of the phd students to try to get closer to that person or um or to yeah just to meet to talk about your your work and some of the potential overlapping you know um subjects or so I think emailing and getting in touch ahead of time to plan some some time uh, with people is good too because yeah on when you're on site it's just a bit overwhelming. Yeah, I did that for the first time this year. So I just almost cold called by an email, someone in America saying, oh, "Are you going? Love to meet for a chat." And they came back with a fabulous email just saying, "Yeah, love to. Let's have a coffee. Can't wait." And that made it really easy. And hopefully, and if I meet them, they might introduce me to other people in that field as well. So looking forward to it, yeah. And we're kind of getting into it, but you know, what are your kind of main advice for newcomers for the first timers of Kai? What would you say? Do you mean also to write the paper or not? Or just um, going to Kai? Well, a bit of both really, you know, what's your kind of the before Kai and then the during Kai? I think for me, like in terms of writing up stuff for Kai, I was always very intimidated uh, with, with this because I heard about it so much. Um, and it's the third time now that I write for that. Uh, but um, yeah, I think it's every time I took, uh, I know it's not always possible, but try to have a, a lot of time in advance, you know, to plan or to mm -hmm. even start thinking about what you want to say or write and three, four months in advance, I think, and then yeah, start writing up as as, as quick as you can, like uh, get started as quick as you can. Yeah, um, for me, but you know, I mean, I've heard of the myth of people just writing a kind paper in a week, you know, and that's fair enough. I mean, I can't do this, <laughs> but yeah. So I think just taking the time and surrounding yourself with you know people around you that can support you, either co-authors or just colleagues, like sending ideas or balancing idea. You might want to organize, you know, with your colleagues some. Um, meetings just to share brainstorm ideas with others, each other's, yeah, so I think kind of a peer, yeah, peer-to-peer exchange, yeah. I think Kai is also, um, well, it's, it has its own politics and I think it's meaningful if you engage with um, professors, like anyway, academics that have, have had an experience in submitting in the sense that they might understand better the subcommittees, dynamics, and therefore, like, so when you submit your paper, you have to choose who is going to review it, right? Which committee, and you have to take, you know, prioritize one, and there's a second one, you you say. 
and making this decision can be complicated not not that easy as it seems and i think yeah like considering the politics of the conference and then i guess yeah maybe trying to approach people that have submitted in the past have a long experience into it i think that can be wise to help you with things yeah you don't consider but actually i find that this can be really important because i have heard a lot of people like really complaining about their reviewers but you know it's it's a matter of basically you didn't have the right reviewers <laughs> like people that saw your work and read your work were not actually people that understood your work well or had very different i mean yeah it can happen because it's such a multidisciplinary uh, conference it has so many different like points of views and different like expertises so i i think that's is really nice has lots of potentials but can be also overwhelming for for you as a person mm -hmm. with some lens. Yeah, how do you frame your, your workflow yourself? Yes. You're right, I think in the in the TCS, well, on the system, when you submit your paper, it's, um, I never really considered that before in other conferences, but it's really good, actually, you can select or suggest reviewers um, that don't have a, you know, a conflict of interest with your work, of course. Um, but I think this is really important to list three or four, I mean, I think you're maybe it's up to three people that you think can really understand your work, or so think about your, you know, the superstar that you want uh, <laughs> to read your work and uh, review your work, or who from, you know, the feedback you want and from who, you know. So, yeah, I think it's really, it's quite nice um, to be able to, we have to think about this carefully, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. And I think the other thing is your reviewers' comments, you know, sometimes before you get them, you think, oh, what are they going to say to me? But of all the papers I've submitted, the reviewers' comments have always been really positive, really good. Even when they've rejected a paper, yeah. the comments have been really valuable to me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you often hear about, oh, you know, I had this bad reviewer, but I haven't experienced that myself. It's been very, very positive. But, yeah, definitely, as Cara said, I put aside three months and don't think you can just do it in the evening when you're back in no, no. <laughs> that's your life for three months as far as i'm concerned yeah uh, yeah peter i agree with that i think even even submitting just for getting the review back i think that's really meaningful experience and yeah don't expect that you're going to be accepted like this and yes it required a lot of work i think yeah in my case the paper might took me overall six months <laughs> to write um before and the edits and everything so it's it's a lot of time um, and then yeah yeah also i agree that my experience of the reviewers as well was really meaningful the comments were meaning very meaningful and i think another thing is how how do you respond to that that's another big challenge that's so after you you receive your first review um, and hopefully it's positive or can be somewhere in the middle which is the most challenging bit because the way you respond to that through the changes you make in the text and the rebuttal is is key and for me at least um, as a first year PhD back uh, like three years ago I, I didn't know how to read the comments I didn't know what to make out of them I misunderstood I was getting extra stressed with making really big changes whereas sometimes it's a it's interpretation at this key and it's it's really different so now yeah i have a different understanding um so yeah also advising advising within uh, academics around that or talking with peers around okay how how to respond how to read the comments first of all and how to respond is something important yeah don't take it too personally i guess yes. <laughs> it's easy to say but yeah when you get 
not negative, but you know, yeah, like rejection, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's always a bit hard, yeah. Mm. But, yeah, self-care and... <laughs> Yeah. I think the other thing as a PhD student, when you write the papers and you get them rejected or accepted fine, they're not done and dusted because they're such a valuable resource for writing that thesis. Yes. And I'm not saying you can like cut and paste a whole, you know, discussion section in, but you kind of do that to begin with. And that gives you such a great infrastructure to build from. Mm. So, you know, they're really worthy later on after the conference. No, I think it's really good that we touch, touch on the other side of it, which is the kind of rejection as well and like what you can get from that because, because mm. yeah, it's it's an obvious point around all this stuff that it does happen, you know. And even though they rejected the entire paper, there's still probably some really good sections in that you can reuse. So don't be too scared of it. Don't set fire to it. Yeah. Um, so in terms of the actual conference that's coming up in Hamburg and remotely, what are the things that you're most looking forward to? Well, to be honest, I haven't had the chance to look at the program, but I've read other people's uh, on social media. They got really excited about the program, so I'm, yeah, I'm really excited now. But I haven't had a chance yet to look at it. But yeah, um, yeah, meeting people for me, yeah, I know a lot. Well, I know a lot. No, I know some people from my PhD or from, you know, other places that will be there that I haven't seen for a while. So, love, you know, it's a lovely opportunity to reconnect, to see what they're doing. Um, yeah, and hopefully connect with new people uh, to, yeah, for potential collaboration. Or... Yeah. So my program's all laid out, apart from, I think, the last day, because in, yeah, New Orleans last year, I had two days where, I, like, everything was mapped out. And I was just burnt out by the end of that. So the next day, I just couldn't be bothered and just bounced from room to room. And I loved it because yeah. <laughs> you saw papers that you would never, ever think about going to see. And you'd always learn something. So maybe just take an afternoon out and just wander into rooms and hear papers. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't I didn't really understand the remote experience this year. I think it's basically only the pre-recorded presentations some and also there's a platform for q a's but it's not text so i don't i don't think i will be able to do a lot of networking really but yeah what i like about remotes is uh basically you can see a lot of papers you can just go through the videos in your own pace and just see a lot of different things yeah yeah <laughs> It's all right. <laughs> yeah, it's all just very different experiences, isn't it? And like yeah. you said, it's that sort of hybrid that we're yeah. all getting used to. Yeah. Um, so I think we're kind of coming to the end. Um, so I think it might be time to wrap up. Um, I thought that was a really great discussion. And uh, I just thought you could each do a tiny little summary, um, if you can remember where you're presenting <laughs> and when. <laughs> you well, can also say that. For me, it's... Tuesday, it's smart homes and makers, and I think uh, it's like the last presentation of that session, so five forty-five uh, in the afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. So I think mine's around three o'clock on the Wednesday. So the session is from the margin to the center, and I think I'm halfway through that. And I can't remember the name of my session. It's something about community, it must be. Oh, I think it's online communities, actually, because I just wrote it up. So, <laughs> so I'm presenting an online community, and I believe it's on Tuesday, so similar time than you, yeah, end of the day, around 5 p.m. I think everyone will <laughs> have come to the pub. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Well, maybe. Um, but yeah, so end of the day on Tuesday, yeah, online mm -hmm. community. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much, everyone. Yep, thank you. Thanks.
Thanks. You have been listening to Open Blab, an interaction design and human-computer interaction podcast. The host was Emily Barker, and it was produced and edited by Daniel Parry. The music was from Joylist and Party Avoider. It was recorded here in Open Lab at the School of Computing at Newcastle University. Thanks for listening.